0: So I've uh, been doing a, a sermon series uh, called uh, Where It All Began. I, As I told you guys before, I, I love to know how things uh, get started. I love to know why we do things. You know, one of the things is, uh, you know, we, we celebrate holidays, and, and I like to know uh, the reasons why traditions, and, you know, we talked around Christmas, you know, why the Christmas tree, Where did where did that story come from, and... And uh, even St. Patrick's Day, you know, why do we get all uh, crazy on St. Patrick's Day and drink green beer and all that kind of stuff? And really to celebrate a very godly man, by the way, St. Patrick was a missionary uh, to uh, Ireland. And, um, you know, just I love to know the why behind we do things. And so, you know, why do we do church? Why why do we gather on Sunday mornings? Why do we, you know, like, like Sarah, why do we continue to put ourselves in, in potentially dangerous places for the gospel. And, um, and I started by our series really going back to kind of where it all began for the early church, uh, after Jesus' death, after his resurrection, uh, after he presented himself to his disciples and after he, he told them he was gonna send the helper and then he ascended into heaven uh, and they go off and they wait in this place called the upper room and they're in the upper room and then all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit uh, falls upon them mightily like never before, and, and, and we see tongues of fire over their heads, and, and they begin to speak in tongues of other languages, and other, other people groups start uh, hearing them in their own language, and then Peter goes out, and he gives this amazing sermon, and thousands of people get saved. And then from then on, just this thing is given birth, what we call the early church, and 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 you know we, we find that there's this man by the name of Saul, right? Saul is a uh, is a Jew, and Saul is also what we'd kind of know as more of a scholar. He, he was he was he's being trained up in the in the Old Testament, and the in the Word of God, and the laws of God and the rituals of God. And he is on the hunt to pursue and stop this thing called Christianity. And Jesus shows up right? I mean, literally uh, blinds him and speaks to him and says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Why are you doing this? In fact, Saul actually himself uh, later on in the book of Acts recounts this story and he actually says that the Lord spoke to him and he says, Saul, why are you kicking against the goads? Basically, why are you fighting me? And the picture of that is literally when you're when you're trying to steer an animal, right? You're trying, it's called goading an animal and you're kind of smacking them on the backside and getting them to, to turn and getting them to go over here and, and go over that. Basically, when an animal does not like that, they kick against it, right? They kind of kick back and they say, stop touching me there. I don't like that. That hurts. But Jesus is painting this picture picture of what Saul is doing to him and he says, Saul, why are you kicking against the goats? Why are you fighting me, the one you are claiming to be fighting for? And I had shared that and I kinda touched upon that a little bit and I really, it just, it's something that kinda sat on, on my spirit for a while and I didn't really feel like I could let go of that and so I began to pray and I said, Lord, you know what is it that you are speaking to us, your church, City Church, you know, those present this morning, what is it that you are are trying to say? And I felt like I had another kind of word picture for you uh, and that some of us feel like Saul, right? We are just trying to get through life. We are just trying to do what we feel like we're supposed to be doing. I'm supposed to be working hard. I'm supposed to be, you know, starting a family or I'm supposed to be taking care of my kids. I'm supposed to be, you know, whatever it is that you just feel like you're trying to trudge through life you know doing and you just feel like why is it that i feel like that there is this force that is pushing against me that is fighting me now i do believe in spiritual warfare i do believe there are times that the enemy comes to distract in fact you know the bible says that satan comes to kill steal and destroy and so we need to always be aware uh, of that but what about the times and this story kind of got me thinking what about the times that God is doing something in our lives and we are kicking against the goads, when we are fighting him and we don't realize it, when, we, when God is trying to steer us in a direction or do something in our lives? Do you guys know what a, um, uh, uh, those Chinese finger traps are? You guys have ever seen those chi- Chinese? I actually meant to go get one so that I could you know, kind of demonstrate, but you guys know what I'm talking about? Chinese, it's it's it just really it's actually made out of just what yeah it's just a woven you know yeah like it looks almost like it's paperish you know and, and you stick your fingers on either end and when you try to pull your fingers out what happens they get stuck right you put your fingers in you pull them out and you just sit there and if the harder and harder you pull the tighter and tighter that this trap uh, you know, grabs onto you, and really, I mean, and by the way, it, it, most of us have tried this where you just try as hard as you can to see if you can just rip that thing apart, but it's difficult. It's not easy to do, but what's the solution? It's easy, right? To push back, backwards, to actually release, to actually, you know, to stop fighting against it and to actually go with it, and eventually, you know, you, you pull your finger out of it, and I felt like that that was a word for us. That some of us are fighting that that we feel like we're in this Chinese finger trap. And and we're, we're fighting it and we're fighting it and we feel like if we pull harder and we pull harder that eventually this thing's gotta let go of me. But for whatever reason, it's just clamping down harder and harder and harder and we kind of do this in life. That has to have been what Saul, who later became Paul, must have felt like in that moment that he was fighting so hard against this thing called Christianity because it was so foreign to him and it was so everything against he what he thought was you know God and but he was actually fighting God himself. He had actually completely missed it. So I was saying, "All right, Lord, I realize that this is kind of a word that you're sharing with us, but will you you know, God, give me more, give me give me more." And I and I, I kept. Seeing the, the phrase refiner's fire, refiner's fire. And all I could think of was the song, right? If you grew up in like the 80s, 90s, I think it was more 90s maybe than refiner's fire. But how many of you guys remember refiner's fire, the song? Refiner's fire, right? Kind of a slow, kind of, you know, almost put you to sleep type of song. But really the picture is not that at all. The picture, refiner's fire, is actually not that all. And that is, exa- that is actually what I wanna share with you today. And not only is this something that I wanted to teach you, but I actually believe it is a word for us. It is a word from God for his people today, for us, the church. Refiner's fire, you are going through a refiner's fire right now. Well, what does that mean? Well, first of all, let's talk about what a refiner's fire is, right? You take a precious metal like gold or silver, right? You, when you mine gold or silver, you can't pull it right out of, of you know, the rock pure, right? It's, it's got everything else in it too. It's got the rest of the rock and the mountain and whatever you pulled it from all stuck in it as well. You know Whether you pull gold out of the, the ground or, or wherever you're mining gold, you're, you're still kind of, wherever it was settled in, you know, like how many of you guys watch um, Gold Rush? Gold Rush. I was kind of a big Gold Rush fan for a while, uh, and that's those guys up in Alaska, and of course they've gone to other places. But you know, the Alaskan Gold Rush, and they're up there, and they're you know they're they're trudging, and they're and you know and they're in these streams and all that kind of stuff. But you have to still there's still a process to make the gold pure, to purify it, and the only way to do that is to stick it in a hot fire. And so what happens is, you know, you put all this gold in, you know, some type of protective cup, you know, right there, and you stick it in this furnace-like thing, and it begins to melt the gold, but all the impurities, all the things that you don't want start to rise to the top. And then what you do is you simply scrape off the top layer, and they said, actually, to, to really judge how pure and how refined it is that the, uh, the, the goldsmith or whoever would actually look in it and when he could start to see his reflection in it, he realized it was done, he realized it was ready. That meant all the impurities had come up to the top and that were scraped off. I feel like this is a word for the church. I feel like this is a word for you and for me that you may be in a season and you may be feeling like, The the heat has been turned up in my life. I am going through things, and uh, to be honest with you, I am ready to bail. I am ready to pull the paracord chute and jump out of the plane. I am done, right? I don't know how much more I can take of this. If you are feeling that way, I believe the word for you is refiner's fire. Do not jump out too soon. Do not jump out too soon because I believe God has turned up the heat to purify us. And I want to read a scripture because this is actually where I found it. To be honest with you, when I saw the, the you know, or felt the phrase refiner's fire, I couldn't really think of where in the Bible that was. Did Jesus preach on that? Was that a thing that he did? You know, where, where was that? I actually found it in the book of Malachi. And Malachi is a prophet, an Old Testament prophet, but Malachi is the last book of the Old Testament, right? He is the last book of the Old Testament. After the book of Malachi, that's when everything goes quiet and the next person on the scene is Jesus from here. Let's look, if you have your Bibles with you, if you have your uh, uh, apps, you know, uh, Malachi chapter three. Malachi chapter three is where we find this Idea of refiners' fire. So Malachi is a prophet. He is speaking to the people of Israel. Uh, There is a bit kind of a a, in this particular uh, uh, passage of scripture. It is kind of a rebuke, a correction, a warning. Uh, But later on, you know, there is obviously always the promise. Always, you know, hey, if you listen to me, if you do what I said, then God will do this. But Malachi starts in chapter three saying this. Says, look. I am sending my messenger, and he will prepare the way before me. Then the Lord you are seeking will suddenly come to his temple. The messenger of the covenant, whom you look for so eagerly, is surely coming, says the Lord of heaven's armies. Right here, there is a belief that Malachi might be talking about two different people. He may be talking about John the Baptist, who, who, was, who kind of you know, heralded the uh, coming of the Lord, who prepared the way of the Lord, who kind of announced, you know, uh, the Messiah, you know, was here. And so, some believe that that uh, specifically Malachi might be talking about John the Baptist. But I also believe it has a secondary meaning to it that also we're talking about Jesus Himself preparing the way for the Lord's return, for for the Lord's second return. They would come. You know, and, and after he's established his church, and after, you know, after we've done what we're doing, which is to go into all the world and and you know preach the gospel and to make disciples and all those things, that God will come back for his church, that God will come back for his people. Verse 2. But who will be able to endure it when he comes? Who will be able to stand and face him when he appears? For he will be like a blazing fire. Fire that refines metal or like a strong soap that bleaches clothes. He will sit like a refiner of silver burning away the dross. He will purify the Levites, refining them like gold and silver so they may once again offer acceptable sacrifices to the Lord." Then once more the Lord will accept the offerings brought to him by the people of Judah and Jerusalem as he did in the past. You guys, God is coming back for us. The Lord is returning, he talks about it in his word. This is something that we know, this is something that Jesus uh, proclaimed, and this is something that even when Jesus ascended into heaven, that even the angel said, he will return in like manner. As, as just like you saw him leave and ascend, he will come back. But I believe that we need to be ready because we, we preach a, a soft Jesus. We, we preach a, a, you know, this kind of quiet, humble, you know, with the lamb around his neck and, and children at his feet, Jesus. And that's not, you know, uh, he is that. But when, when God comes back, he is actually coming back to judge the world. He is actually coming back to to eventually bring down the hammer, to bring down the sword of judgment. And we need to be ready. We need to not be caught off guard. And really in this season, as Jesus has come, so if we look at it as Jesus is the messenger preparing that God would come back, what he's wanting to do in us now is he's wanting to refine us and he's wanting to get us ready for that opportunity but I also believe that there is a a personal message in this for us, okay? There was kind of the biblical, the kind of the overview, the, the spiritual meaning, but what is the personal application for you and for me? We do this thing called church, right? We do this thing where we gather on Sunday mornings and we worship and we talk about the word of God and, and that is great. And I and, and if anything, you know, I, I grew up in church. Church means a lot to me, even though I've seen a lot. Uh, you know, I've had a lot happen, you know, even in the church, the good and the bad. But despite all that, I still believe in it. But I believe God is wanting to do more. I don't believe that we need, that we've kind of, if I could just put it in these terms, I believe we've kind of as a church uh, as a whole, not this church, but as a church in the whole, we're kind of in a rut because we kind of got this thing Sunday down, but that's kind of it. And yet while we're all gathered on Sundays and we're all worshiping, why is it that the world seems to be getting darker and darker and darker? i The only place I can turn to and, and, and say you know, that something needs to change it's not necessarily the world's fault because they don't know. So there's really only one group to blame. Us. It's it's us. We're we're the ones that Jesus has handed the ball over to and has asked us to go win the world. But yet we seem to struggle and I and I and I and I feel like, you know what? There is a process though and there are things that we can do and there's understanding that we can have and the really the I believe for us right here anyone listening to me anyone a part of City Church or or anyone in you know in this general area I believe that if we are willing for God to purify us if we are willing to go through this process of purification and, and when the heat gets turned up that we don't bail on God or we don't, like I said, you know, jump out of the furnace too soon, I believe that the process will be that all the impurities inside of us, anything that would hinder us, any fears, any doubts, any you know, whatever the things that kind of weigh us down, all the impurities, I'm not necessarily even talking about you know, sin, I'm just talking about anything that would keep us from living in our full potential of what God has called us to be. how do, It's almost like getting out of our own way because the thing is, is God wants to use you. If you come here and if you say it's Pastor Matthew's job to you know evangelize the entire North Orange County region, first of all, it's impossible. And second of all, that's not true. It's our job. We've all been commissioned. It doesn't, the Bible doesn't say only pastors, only evangelists, only missionaries. Yes, he, the, he's been given different gifts and talents to different people, but he wants his church, you guys. He wants every single one of you to be witnesses, to be witnesses. And that doesn't necessarily mean. Just coming and gathering on Sunday mornings. What it means is, and I was just saying this, you know, the, the last night. It means having church Monday through Saturday, with wherever you are, with whatever people group that you have influence with. I love that. I was talking to uh, my friend, you know, Nick Johnson, and and I I just I so admire that guy because. He, he can just hang out with any group of people, and, and the next thing, he's, you know, he's got them all laughing, and he's telling stories, and then he's telling them how to fix their Jeeps, and he's telling, I mean, he's just, he's, to me, he's everything that I, you know, I want to be too, right? I want to be listened to or liked and, 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 and be able to hang out with, you know, any type of group of people, and I just think, you know what, that guy right there is an evangelist. That guy right there, and it has nothing to do with the level of spiritual knowledge that is not, you know, Jesus doesn't do that. God doesn't line everybody up on the the spiritual knowledge that you have. You all have influence. That's what I'm trying to say. Every single one of you has an influence with a group of people that the others don't. Whether it's at your jobs, whether it's in your neighborhoods, your group of friends, whatever it is you have, that is your church. That is your mission field. And that is what the purpose of of, of what we do. Yes, Sunday mornings is a place that we can gather. Sunday mornings is a place that we can encourage each other. But what I am saying is, is it shouldn't stop here. Monday morning should be the morning that we all wake up and we would all say, okay, Holy Spirit, guide me into who I can minister to this week. Because you're gonna put somebody in front of me somewhere, somehow. I'm either gonna be on the phone with somebody or I'm gonna be in a store with somebody or it might even be putting me in front of someone I've known for years. Lord, Holy Spirit, direct me and to guide me and to minister to their needs and to share your love with them. That is how each and every single one of us should be acting. This thing we do on Sunday mornings should almost just become the place where we gather to celebrate everything that happened throughout the week. But I'm going to be honest with you, it feels like Sunday morning is the place where we all come in here and we all crash and we all fall and we all go, oh my gosh, I barely made it through the week. And I feel that way too. This isn't a condemnation and this isn't a rebuke at all. But what are we doing wrong? What are we doing wrong that instead of coming on Sundays and feeling like I barely made it through and I'm coping to come and get a little something on Sunday so that you know I can make it through, just as something to propel me through the week again. How do we get out of that cycle? How do we do that? And to be honest with you, I, I don't know that I have all the answers except that I felt like the Lord said, Matthew, start with, purifying yourself. Start with reflecting on yourself and say, what are the things that are hindering me from doing that, from being that? And that is what I am asking every single one of you to do today, to simply say that. So Lord, what does that mean to me? If you are purifying me, what does that mean for me? What is hindering me? What is weighing me down? What are the things that... Keep me from trusting in you completely to see the Holy Spirit active in my life from Monday through Saturday. What is it? And by the way, I I am asking the same question because I battle the same fears. I have the same anxieties. I have the same worries. I'll be honest with you. I know one of mine, I, I wanna be liked by people. I so badly wanna be liked by people. I have an issue with the fact that I like praise and, and adulation. I, I you, Many of you know I was in theater and there's nothing like the applause at the end of a show when I come out on stage and the applause, the roar, you know, the oh my God, the flowers, you know. I went to go see uh, Justice, uh, the, the Jeffrey said Justice in a show And he came out, and by the way, he did incredibly. They did Shrek, and he was Lord Farquhar, and he was hilarious, hilarious. He deserved all of the applause uh, that he got. But I remembered that feeling as he came out, there were hundreds of people that were shouting his name, Justice! And they were applauding him and wanted to take pictures with him. And I instantly went back to when I was doing that and remembered that feeling and remembered how exciting and how fulfilling it went when I got the applause, you were amazing, you were funny, you were this, you were that, blah, 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 blah. And I realized something that, that kind of, I related to where I'm at in my life, I'm still looking for that. As a person, I'm still looking for the applause. I'm still looking for somebody to say, Matthew, you're amazing. And and, and I'm saying this to say, I'm doing it for the wrong reasons. I'm being honest with you. I, I am bearing my soul to you right now. I stand up here sometimes and in my flesh, sometimes I'm doing this because I want people to notice me. Because I want people to see Matthew. Oh, he's doing so good. Look at him building a church over there. What's so ludicrous about that is it's not any pastor who builds a church, it's the Holy Spirit, it's Jesus' church, it's not mine. So how dare I stand up here and expect that afterwards that I would get a roaring applause because here's the thing, there's only one applause that I need. There's only one applause that I should be concerned about and that is the applause of Jesus Christ, that is the applause of the Father himself saying well done good and faithful servant and yet so many times, I'm going to be very honest with you and very real, so many times my motives are wrong. My motives are so that you'll like me. My motives are that people will come because they'll say, I want to go to this church because of Pastor Matthew. And that is so wrong because to be honest with you, if they're here for me, at some point, I'm going to disappoint you. At some point, I'm going to hurt you. At some point, I'm going to do something stupid because I'm human. But if you're here because the Holy Spirit has brought you here, then that's a completely different story, and you will be completely fulfilled. So this word, refiner's fire, was speaking directly to me. I knew exactly what my impurities were. My impurities where there's a lot of the times I make this about me, I make this building this church thing about me, and I'm wrestling with that, and I'm realizing that I need to get out of my own way. I need to actually get out of the way of the Holy Spirit and let the Holy Spirit do what the Holy Spirit wants to do. And stop. Another thing I did, I got off Facebook because I have all these friends who are pastors, and if all these friends post on Sunday afternoons and Monday mornings of all the great things that they did and I look and I go, well, God, I want to do that too, right? You know what I mean? I want to have a, a baptismal with a slide. Come on. I'm, by the way, I'm joking about that. And there was a church in Texas who did that. They had a slide into a baptismal. That's crazy. <laughs> but I do that on other things. You know, oh, they did a bounce house last week. Should we do a bounce house at our church next week? Will that get more people? And, and, and not that those things are bad, but what I'm doing is bad. It, what I'm doing is if I think if I do that, then our, our church will grow. I need to get out of the way. I need to let the Holy Spirit what the Holy Holy Spirit is gonna do, and so here's what I'm doing. I'm saying that God is doing a work in my life. He is bringing the impurities up to the surface so that they could be removed. I am asking that you would do the same. I am challenging you that you would ask yourself, what is it in me that hinders me or that I get in the way of God wanting to do his, you know, have his will, right? And to be honest with you, it usually means self-sacrifice on some level. It usually means, and and I don't mean to the point of, you know, losing all, but like last week when I talked about Paul and Silas in prison, the picture of God's love is that even though they were set free, their chains were were broken off, the, the jail cells had been swung open, they stayed because they put the jailer's need above their own. Their their eternal security, right, was already set. They, Paul knew and Silas knew where they were going if they died. But they didn't know about the jailer. So instead of, right, and by the way, this is, this is where we are kind of as a culture. Sometimes we see these opportunities. Well, this must be God. The jail cells are open. Let's run, everybody, get out of here. But what I'm saying is could we come to such a spiritual place that even though our chains may fall off and the jail cell may be swung open, that we would sit right where we're at because it's not about me, it's about the jailer. And on that day, salvation came to his home because of this sacrificial love, because none of the prideful, arrogant, personal self you know, absorbed things, came rushed over Paul in that moment. I, to be honest with you, I can't believe it because I feel like if I put myself in his shoes, I would have bailed. I would have taken that as a sign. Wow, a miracle has happened. I'm out of here. By the way, that had happened, you know, not to, uh, uh, you know, before that story, uh, I believe it was Peter who was in prison and an angel whisks him out. So Paul must have known that story. But Paul dug in this is this is it you guys paul dug in and even in the midst of a stinky dark prison he said you know what god what do you want to do i'm gonna press in even when this is disgusting even when everything in me says run and bail and get out of here for your own personal safety i'm gonna say lord is there something else you want me to do before i go And that was bring salvation to the home of the jailer because of that decision. That's it. I want to come to a place where it's not about us anymore, where it's not about me anymore, where we're simply saying, you know what, I'm in this this place that it feels like everything is being pushed down on me, that the, the refiner's fire is heated up, that I feel like I'm in this dark prison When our flesh would say, Get out, when our flesh would say, Warning, that we would listen to the Spirit of God, listen to the Holy Spirit, and press in and say, What is it that you have? Because I believe it's bigger than what I have. That's my word for you guys today. That's my message for you guys today. I do believe this, you guys. I do believe that God wants pour out his spirit upon our church. Why I believe that is because his word says it. So this isn't anything I'm making up. This isn't anything I have to be oh hopeful for. You no, know, his word says it. His word says that he will pour out his spirit upon us. But I believe there's a process of purification that we need to go through, that we need to allow is what I should say. We need to allow this process of purification so that when God pours out his spirit upon us, we will receive it fully. And we won't miss out on anything that he has for us. God does want to use City Church. God does want to use you mightily. And God wants to use you to reach your friends, to reach your neighbors, your coworkers, your your fellow students, wherever it is that you are in life. God wants to use you. But we need to let him refine us. And we need to be empowered and bolded by the Holy Spirit. And we need to not ever think, oh, it'll happen, you know, Pastor Matthew will take care of it. Just bring him to church. There's a pastor who said, I heard that say, just bring him to church, we'll take care of their salvation. You just bring him to church. I get it. I get what he's saying. I, You better bring him here saved. In fact, go ahead and get him baptized. In fact, go ahead and lay hands on him, do whatever it is, and then bring him here. I don't care. Because the Holy Spirit has empowered you to do that. And you have it in you. It's in you, it's in every single one of you, from the young to the mature, the wise, age doesn't matter. The Holy Spirit can fall upon any single one of us and use us and guide us and we could have stories like Paul and Silas. Can I have the worship team come on up here? I just wanna take a moment just to press in. We're just going to sing two more worship songs, and I want it to just this time just to really be about you and God. I'm also going to ask, I've got uh, uh, Jacob and Adrian and Mike and Nikki. They're going to be off over here to the side. Go go ahead and both of you guys get on, only because this side gets a little. Do you need prayer this morning for anything, anything we would like to pray with you? There is something that you just need to get off your chest. If there is something that you feel like God's already trying to bring to the surface and you just need to share it with somebody. The Bible says this, confess your sins to one another and then you will be healed. And by the way, these are safe people. There is no condemnation here. There is no condemnation here because I am the biggest sinner of all of you guys. And God still loves me and uses me. So we're gonna go back into a time of worship. I would just ask that you would just let uh, the, you know, what I shared just kind of settle on your heart, settle in your soul, and just let it permeate and let the Lord speak to you. And if you just feel like you need some prayer and you need to share something, like I said, we've got our couples over here. But would you guys stand with me? Can we go back and just do a time of worship the Lord?